the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. I'm going to give you everything you need to know, what you need to know right now on that crazy, crazy Joe Biden speech and what to do about it. So hang in there for that. In a few moments, we will hear from the great uh, John Schlafly uh, about his weekly column about the border uh, and so much more. And Adam Andrzejewski breaks a story, big story. It's being lost in the uh, aftermath, the, the Joe Biden uh, lunatic speech aftermath. So, But you ought to check it out. Adam and Jeffsky this week has the checkbook for uh, California, and it shows basically that Governor Newsom uses his government, uh, uses his governor's role to get a lot of campaign contributions. It also, by the way, makes it look to me more and more like Newsom is the next guy running for president. We'll talk about that in a few moments because Joe Biden's career is ending uh, and ending fast. Uh, but. Uh, we'll get all that. Also, by the way, until you talk about journalism and, and uh, value, uh, this has been a great week for Project Veritas and James O'Keefe. Two big stories breaking uh, on uh, one uh, teacher administrator and another on anti-Catholic rhetoric from uh, from a, uh, uh, a key places. So check out Project Veritas and James O'Keefe, as always. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll visit about that. Uh, by the way, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, sign up there for the daily email. The daily email is called What You Need to Know, and it is the wink, what you need to know. And let me tell you what you need to know today. If you watched Joe Biden's speech on Thursday night, and then if you looked at the commentators afterwards, let me just say um, it was a terrible speech, meaning it was scary. It was poorly delivered. The imagery was bad. Now, I think that the political types with Joe Biden thought, hey, let's scare the people. Let's scare the voters so that we can get uh, them to the polls. I think that's part. Fear is a great motivator in politics. In fact, it's one of the best. If you can get people afraid, they'll move right to the polls. So that's one thing. I've heard a lot of commentating about the fact that it really was a speech that was aimed at uh, sort of defining Trump so that they could indict Trump and all that. I don't think that's the it. I think this was written and it was it was the continuation of the experts who got hired by Biden, who came up with ultra MAGA. Remember that ultra MAGA was supposed to be bad. They quickly realized that like Trump supporters liked it even more. But they came along here to semi fascist. And then they gave this speech that they called people a threat to the uh, a clear and present danger was what Joe Biden said. Trumpism and his supporters are now. Two things. One, he went way too far and he's not a good speech giver at this point. He, he looks literally like an angry old man who's a bit doddering and is yelling at you to get off his lawn, except the background and the office make it really haunting. And you see online pedo, not pedo Hitler as the hashtag that's gone all over the place because he looks like a creepy dude saying Nazi like stuff. But here's the key. They just ended his staff and himself. They just ended Joe Biden's career. He will not be running for president. If he ever was considering it, I think he was. He's not running now. 
They also made it clear, and it will be is whipping back on them, that Republicans win in the fall. Okay, so those two things are happening. And all across the country, Democrats, uh, leading Democrats, Gavin Newsom, others woke up and said, "Okay, I can run for president now because he looked unhinged. He looked unstable. He looked off. I think he was supposed to, as I heard a commentator say, I think Biden was supposed to give that speech with lots of seriousness, kind of like Obama. Now, let me brainstorm. And as uh, John Schlafly has been apt to say recently, he likes the word spitball. Let me spitball this one. I think around Joe Biden at the highest levels are the key Obama people. Susan Rice, Lisa, Lisa Monaco uh, over at the CIA that uh, the CIA director or the is it the is it the DNI uh, for America? Her name is uh, like a- April uh, uh, April. I forget how you say her last name, but those three are the key uh, people who are in charge of this of, of what the Biden administration. It's it is true. Avril there is Avril Haines, A-V-R-I-L and on April Avril Haines. Okay, so Avril Haines is uh, along with uh, Susan Rice and Lisa Monaco. Susan Rice is in the White House, the director of uh, domestic policy. Uh, Avril uh, Haines is in, is the director of national intelligence, which is over the CIA, over the uh, all the intelligence. Right, it's the coordinator. And Lisa Monaco is the number two at the Department of Justice, and the number two under an old, very old, you know, older gentleman judge. And if you know anything about judges. They don't do anything. They think and read and talk. Uh, a judge, especially an appeals judge, which is what Merrick Garland was, they don't do much. So the number two that's in charge is the one who does everything. That's who's doing everything. And that's Lisa Monaco. So those three are Obama hands, right? They're Obama people. And so they are, they gave, they wrote a speech that would have been, if Obama had delivered it, he would have delivered it cool. And he would have said, look, at there's these threats out there. And it would have worked to send a signal, but it wouldn't have seemed like a lunatic, which is what Joe Biden did. Now, last point on this, what you need to know. So, by the way, so they gave an Obama speech. They wrote an Obama speech, set up an Obama setting, and then they ended up with Joe Biden. They ended up with, uh, what, what was the movie where, uh, it was it Clint Eastwood that was uh, uh, yelling at the guy, his neighbor? Was it El Camino? Is that the movie? I think it was. That, that's what they ended up with. They thought they were getting Obama, and they ended up with, uh, with El Camino. Right. They thought they had Obama and instead. Oh, Grand. Sorry. And Al Camino. Grand Torino. Grand Torino is the movie. And so <laughs> they thought they were getting Obama and they got Grand Torino. And it's a loser. It's a loser. And so Biden's career is over. Also, Republicans will turn out times a million. And here's why. Here's what you need to know. It's very important. This is the most important part. There is a part of that speech that is meant to goad the worst of goad us, each of us, into doing the worst that's in our heart. When you when someone calls you nasty names, you're you're naturally going to not like it and you're naturally going to want to fight back and you have to resist the temptation to give in to your lesser angels in this moment, because that's kind of what they want to do. They kind of want to use the people that are are unhealthy and unwell and make it seem like that's all of us. And look, there's always on every side, there's always somebody who's unhealthy and unwell, and we shouldn't excuse the behavior when they go too far. But in this case, we the people 
And the vast majority of the Americans looked up and said, that is not uh, acceptable for us to see you do to this country, to this citizen. Joe Biden, you went too far. And th- what will happen, what you need to know is stay cool, stay angry. Don't, I mean, you, we all should be angry that if you're just if you're a Trumpist, if you're America first, you're, you've been called terrible names by the president of the United States. He didn't attack the policies. He didn't say the policies are misguided. If you have tariffs on China, you'll destroy the economy. If you're too nice to uh, oligarchs, it'll hurt the future. He didn't say the uh, the failure to uh, support uh, Ukraine in, a, in every single way is a threat to the world. He didn't say anything about policies. He said the people who belong to the party believe in Trumpism. Those people are a clear and present danger. We we haven't had a president ever do that. And so you should be angry. You should be upset. You should be hurt. You should be offended. All those things are true. But you should understand it was a gross miscalculation. It was an error. It was evil. And we should not make it worse or actually, in this case, make it bad for us. The only person at the end of the speech in this country that was worse off when that speech was over last night was Joe Biden, his career and his life. He'll be known for nothing else. He's really stooped to a level. And it's it is like sending out a, a doddering old man and they just didn't do it right. They did. They missed. They abused him somewhere. I don't know if they were laughing about it, but they're like, yeah, we got we had enough of this. You know, we will either get Kamala or we'll get uh, Gavin Newsom. We'll see what we can do. We'll move on. They really use that guy and, and he deserves it. I mean, he's a grown man. I'm not saying he does. He's somehow should be excused, although he is kind of addled. But what you need to know, it was an evil speech. It was terrible for a president to do. You should be offended. You should be hurt. You should be uh, angry, but you should be very careful about what you do next you should be very careful about people who talk about civil war and talk, none of that is on the table none of that is real none of that is anything that has to do what we had is the president of the united states do something that nobody could ever imagine last night on thursday night the president of the united states gave a speech where he insulted we the people but the answer to that is not to fall for their rhetoric and race into the abyss of negativity and sickness no, we'd be gracious, remember, and get to the polls and, and, and be clear-eyed about it. All right, that's it. I got to run. I got to run. We're out of time. We'll be back in a moment with John Schlafly. And also, uh, we will, of course, as I mentioned, we will visit uh, also with our friend Adam Anjewski. Right, be right back. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with John Schlafly. John Schlafly, of course, writes a weekly column, just like his mother did, although it's a little bit of a sleight of hand. He has his brother, uh, Andy Schlafly. So there's takes two of the offspring of Phyllis Schlafly to do what she did by herself. Maybe not by herself, John. You could quibble with that. But anyway, weekly column over at townhall.com and available at, and archived at phyllisschlafly.com. Uh, and you can go back and read 
read the columns there. Andy and John are getting almost as good as their mother was at uh, seeing things before other people do. And they write about it. And you go, go look at the archives, you'll see they're writing about issues uh, uh, a while ahead of other people paying attention to them. All right, John, this week, the column, uh, you're coming along to where I've been. I've been y- yelling at Todd Benzman on this program and, and talking about the border. Um, it is out of control. The title of the column is Biden's Botched Border. Uh, but, John, um, why? first, why isn't anyone covering this? I mean, it has everything. It's got sex. It's got hot sun. It's got law enforcement. There's dogs at the border that are trying to sniff the drugs. There's every everything is is available for for the the yellowest of yellow journalism. And even Fox News covers almost none of it. Well, hello, Ed. Good to talk to you. Uh, You know, one thing that's, that's gotten a bit of coverage is the fact that uh, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas has put some of these illegals on buses and sent them off to New York, Washington, D.C., and Chicago. Yeah. And uh, so we have seen pictures of these buses unloading in those cities. And, of course, you know, th- those are sanctuary cities. And those are cities where the mayors, cl- you know, brag about how welcoming they are. Well, mm-hmm. OK, so here are some people to welcome. And, uh, you know, I'm not really sure. This is uh, uh, this not is not a solution, obviously. And right. first of all, there's only uh, probably only forty people can fit on each one of these buses, and that's only a drop in the bucket because there are there are anywhere from five hundred to two thousand people every day crossing the border illegally, and so this is only only a tiny tiny fraction of the people illegally coming to our country. Most of them are being turned over to NGOs who receive federal money to give them housing, food vouchers, and everything else, and they're scattered throughout the country. That should not be happening because this is totally illegal. Uh, John, for one second, before we get into some of the details, I think it's important. Two things you said. Well, I want to come back to my question. In other other times in, in the last 25 or 30 years, in your experience, Certain issues will not get covered by the media, in part because they don't want to cover it. They don't want it to show up. I, you know, I, I guess I, I don't know if I'm going to be wrong on this a little bit, but uh, things like um, the international trade deals the, or, or free trade. It was covered as if free trade was all going to be great for everyone. And no one was really describing some of what was already being seen in terms of jobs leaving the country and, and uh, American uh, business losing the upper hand. I don't know. Education, maybe uh, the failure of our education, not, not really covered by the mainstream press. So so it feels like they the the, the law. The lack of coverage is because they don't want to see it. They don't want people to see it. But the border is so out of control now. This isn't even close. This is I mean, this is truly, I don't know, exponentially. How many times, you know, 10x past what it was when Donald Trump got in the race in 2015 and said, we're going to stop this. I mean, as you point out, it's not just the millions that we know. It's we know that there's millions of others that aren't caught, that aren't noticed, that aren't tracked. So, again, I guess I go back to it. It, 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 It's it still surprises me it's not being covered, that, that people aren't actually seeing this as a story worth, um, I'm talking about the media, that worth getting the uh, attention of the people. Yeah, you're certainly right. Of course, getting the mainstream media to cover what's really important has been a lifelong challenge for conservatives. Uh, you know, and we we see, you know, examples of this every day, the front page of every 
paper and every TV broadcast is that ridiculous picture showing, you know, a few documents strewn around the floor inside Mar-a-Lago. I mean, uh, mean, it proves nothing. I mean, how ridiculous is that? And yet that's what the media is focusing on. Right. Instead of the real problems facing our country, like, you know, the incredible, appalling crisis of drug deaths that we are facing, which has been so massive that has actually reduced the life expectancy of Americans for the first time in a 100 years. I mean, how bad is that, that, you know, the current administration is presiding over a reduction in our life expectancy? That, that, that's a perfect example, John. That's a perfect example of what I'm saying is it, it is it, the, the idea that this isn't being covered is uh, is almost as stunning as what's happening now. Back for a second to the Biden administration, how they've done this. Um, and and, uh, it, you know, they 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 ba- effectively they went back to what Obama was doing, but they went further. Right. Uh, well, uh, they certainly went further. And they've gone so far, you know, basic, their basic theory of the Biden administration is that they have the discretion to uh, pick and choose to, you know, how to regulate the border. And no one can uh, no one has the right to second guess or interfere. And uh, so there's a court cases pending right now where lower courts in Texas have said, no, there's not discretion. There is a big difference in between the words shall and may. May means, you know, the administration may or may not do something. So they have some discretion. But when the law says they shall detain people who are unlawfully present and they shall put them into deportation proceedings and they shall, you know, boot them out of our country. I mean, that means they have to do it. And. And if they don't do it, they are breaking the law. So that case is now, you know, after uh, federal courts, two federal courts have already ruled against the Biden administration, that has now been accepted by the Supreme Court for argument in December. And I, you know, and that will decide whether the, you know, whether the Biden administration can continue refusing to enforce the law. We're talking with John Schlafly again. The Schlafly column runs over at townhall.com and then is available over at phyllisschlafly.com. Um, John, do you it, it doesn't seem that the issue is uh, one that is being talked about in the upcoming November elections. I, I haven't heard the House and Senate. Um, may, maybe I've heard some of the candidates, certainly Blake Masters in Arizona has. I think J.D. Vance has in Ohio, but it hasn't it doesn't seem like it's been the, the a top issue. The, but the polls show it is for the voters. I mean, the polls show that for Republicans, it's it's one of their top issues. Uh, some big percentage, 70 percent say it's their top issue or top two, maybe. And even Democrats, it's up there. Um, so, again, I, I guess the question becomes, if you had a more conservative House and Senate, what could you do? You know, I, I, in your piece, we're talking with John Schlafly, you quote Chad Wolf, the former acting uh, Homeland Security Secretary. He's been pretty fearless, was fearless in office and pretty fearless as an advocate. But until you get a new president, is there anything that the House and Senate can do? Are, are these efforts by state attorneys general? Um, do they have a chance of bearing fruit? Uh, well, one th- thing, uh, you know, I wish the you know it would have been better if the Supreme Court had summarily upheld the Texas court 
order, but they didn't do that. So we, that means we'll have another six months or maybe even nine months to wait for a decision. But uh, what we have to do is enforce the law. And that means when people will unlawfully cross or unlawfully remain in our country and they have, uh, you know, they're unlawfully resident, they're unlawfully working, they're being harbored by previous illegal waves of waves of illegals. No, all of those people have to be booted out. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. They can't be allowed to stay. And uh, if the Congress changes, there are some things that Congress can do with uh, the with the budget. But. uh, And I've been, you know, but the question, you know, the federal government is responsible for immigration. I mean, that's just the reality. And uh, if. The president refuses to uphold his oath to, as the Constitution says, to take care that the laws shall be enforced. Uh, then we, the next step is to try to get the court to force the law to be enforced. It's a long process. I wish I could be more optimistic. I wish that the the media the would talk more about it. But you mentioned, Ed, uh, the challenge that the media is not covering this issue. And any issue that the media is not covering, it's hard to get uh, the American people to pay attention to it because they don't really see it happening. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's and and that that's the part that I think is so intentional and so and so obvious to me that they don't want the American people. The media doesn't want the American people to take this issue up uh, in any meaningful way, in part because I think it hurts the ruling party, the the Democrats. But um, we're talking with John Schlafly again. The Schlafly report runs over townhall.com as well as is archived at uh, Phyllis Schlafly dot com. Um, John, uh, I, I think I asked you, I know I ran these questions together, but we have seen some governor. Uh, some state leaders, Abbott, Governor Abbott in Texas, um, sort of make uh, make a move to frame the argument, if not do something legally. Right. He um, he, he he Abbott has put some of the illegal uh, or the migrants, whatever you call them, the uh, detainees on buses up to New York. Is there a legal argument? I mean, is there a point where it's an invasion? The, way, the phrase has been used invasion. Is there a point that there's a legal argument that some states could make? Um. Well, that actually, the Constitution says that Congress has is responsible for protecting the states from invasion. Right. And uh, but of course, Congress is in the hands of the other party, which is welcoming the invasion. Right. 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 Uh, now, I do wish that Governor Abbott in Texas was doing more than he's doing. I think he could do a lot more than he has done. And as I, you know, the. Putting people on buses, uh, maybe he's hoping that they will, uh, will finally draw some attention. It would be great if the mayors of Washington, New York, and Chicago would finally cry uncle and turn these buses away. But right. so right. far, they haven't done that. Right. They, yeah. in effect, have said, fine, bring them on. We'll take them. Yeah. And then they just disappear inside those cities. Yeah. You're uh, right. That would be you're right. That would be good. That would be the that would be the showdown. You you'd have to but you'd have to force uh, Democrat governors to have a showdown with their their democratically controlled federal government. I mean, that's that's um all right, John Schlafly. I think I think it's the number one issue myself. I think it's the number one issue that people care about that um that should care about right now and, and the immigration and not just immigration, the border, the the failed southern border, uh, which is run by cartels, Mexican cartels run our uh immigration policy and they're 
bringing in fentanyl and they're sex trafficking and they're making money off of America and they're changing the country. Um, so I'm glad you, the column. And, uh, and by the way, Ed, the yep. next president should use drones to destroy the Mexican drug cartels. I like that. I like that. Good idea, John. It's not you and I've talked about. I've got all these children and my children, especially my sons, they love these video games. And my one son the other day announced he thought he thought he'd be really good at flying drones. So maybe we can (laughs) we can get the youth of America into the act here. So. All right, John, I got to run. John Schlafly, everybody, the the Schlafly report over at Phyllis, excuse me, over at townhall.com, as well as phyllisschlafly.com is where it's archived. We'll take a break and be right back. Ed Martin on the Pro-America Report back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with our old friend Adam Andrzejewski. And he is, of course, the CEO and the founder of Open the Books. Go to OpenTheBooks.com and you'll find out incredible website. There's so many things happening. But here it is. I, I'm, I'm saying like we're catching up with him. Well, the news is breaking in, in the last couple of hours that uh, he has and Open the Books has uh, dug into the records in California. And I'll let him tell us about it. But I'm going to put up on social media. He's got a sub stack. Uh, um, open the books.com, uh, excuse me, open the books.substack.com where he lays it out there and uh, great stuff, but also the website. So welcome back, Adam, first of all, and tell us, tell me what you found out with uh, old Governor Newsom. Well, it's great to be on the program, Ed. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. So here's what we found. We took the state of California checkbook, which we had to fight for a decade to open. We, wow. uh, we published 6.1 million records from 201,000 state vendors who received $87 billion. We published that for the first time in history last week on our website at openthebooks.com. The line-by-line spending in the state of California finally is available for everybody to review and hold the political class accountable. And we kicked off that accountability project today, and I'm happy to be on your radio program to break this. We found that Governor Gavin Newsom solicited nearly 1,000 state vendors who cut him checks for his campaign for $10.6 million. Right. Those vendors pocketed $6.2 billion from the state checkbook just last year. Wow. Now, look, I mean, the thing is, pausing for a second. Again, we're talking with Adam Andrzejewski, OpenTheBooks.com. When you sent this out, I didn't I wasn't tracking it quite. I saw 979 state vendors. OK, so I know what that means. I've been you know, I, I worked in Missouri. I knew what it was like. You know, you got this vendor, that vendor. You're buying a vehicle for the highway patrol. You're buying, um, you know, uh, toilet paper for the buildings. All like vendors, all kinds of vendors. So I tracked that and said, oh, OK, ten point six million dollars, ten point six million dollars in campaign contributions. That's real. But the number that's stunning, $6.2 billion, with a B, of dollars in those, those 979 vendors. I mean, that's a pretty darn good return on investment. Yeah, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. We've done these, quote unquote, paid-to-play studies before. And right. pay-to-play is not illegal in California. It's right. entirely legal. There are no statewide prohibitions. So politicians like Newsom, they can solicit state vendors as long as it's at arm's length, as long as there's no quid pro quo on a state contract, uh, which, of course, we don't have subpoena power. We're not law enforcement. We're not alleging this. Um So pay to play is legal in California, but we've done these investigations, for instance, like in Rahm Emanuel back in Chicago, who actually passed, you know, he when he was elected in Chicago to mayor in 2011, he actually issued an executive order banning 
uh, uh, city vendors from cutting his campaign checks. So four years later, when he was running for reelection in 2015, we fact checked the promise. We found 600 city vendors cut him seven million dollars in campaign donations and they had received two billion dollars in city payments. Wow. Well, Newsom, you know what? Our investigation here with Newsom dwarfs Emmanuel, makes Emmanuel look like Illinois chicken feed. <laughs> now, uh, Adam Anjevsky is our guest. Again, OpenTheBooks.com. I click through on a map. I love maps. I love interactive maps. They get me excited. So I was surprised. I mean, I, I keep getting surprised. If you look at a map of where these vendors are, they're not all in California. I mean, I, I, I'm not, again, I hate to say it. I don't mean it the wrong way, but it, we, it'd be one thing if you were, you know, buying from your own constituents, from your own people. You look at this map, I guess it's so many of them. You're talking about all across the country. I mean, you Puerto Rico, there's vendors, but also, and, you know, importantly, Texas. I mean, green gets green gets attention no matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're blue or red. You're going to look. You see green. You're moving. Right. And then all up the eastern seaboard. I mean, just one after another. You have to get in on the map so tight to try to see, you know, how many there are. It's extraordinary spread. So, Ed, that's actually a map of Governor Gavin Newsom's campaign donors. We oh, 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 it is. Oh, it is. Wow. So OK, it, it's uh, even more incredible. Like he's funded all across the country, like you said, even in, out of Puerto Rico and things like that. So. Wow. So that's a map of his of his donors. You can click a I pin, think, which is uh, a zip code. You scroll right. down to the chart beneath the map where the information renders. And I, I mean, and so we we normally you're exactly right. We normally map the state checkbook as well by zip code. Here's the problem in California. We fought for 10 years to crack open the books. So the only file we could get for last year's spending from the state agencies without paying huge fees came with vendor name, the amount, the date of the transaction, the state agency who made the payment, but it did not come with payment detail. And it did not come with the vendor address and zip code. So we actually, for the first time ever, we can't map the checkbook by zip code. But we could map the uh, Newsom's campaign donors, which we've done. I see. I see. Well, it, I tell you, when you look at this map, I mean, let's pause and, and step back. Forget about the uh, ethics of it, as you point out, and probably not illegal. And they probably are careful enough. So put all that aside. You look at that map. That does look like a, a, a presidential candidate. Right. I mean, that looks like a guy that could run for president, meaning he has enough investment all across the country. You know, when you look at donors, I mean, I, that, if I was if I was a, a Democrat who wanted to run for president I, and I would be looking at this or if I was the Republicans, I'd say, huh, Gavin Newsom, he may be way out of uh, the mainstream. He may be this and that. This map is a map that uh, looks like a presidential candidate. Yeah, let's say he partners with J.B. Pritzker in Illinois. Yeah. And with J.B. Pritzker's checkbook, with Newsom's entrenched donors across the entire country, they're going to start with $250 million for president and vice president, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's he is he's in for sure. He's going to, you know, he's planning. He's been groomed since birth to be president of the United States. So he feels that this is his moment. So uh, back to the uh, reality of this, this, uh, you know, almost a thousand donors, uh, they invest almost $10 million and then bam, there's all this money. Um, As you say, probably not illegal, probably done carefully enough. You know, when you're playing big league ball, um, you know, they probably didn't do it in a way that's that's going to be uh, prosecute, you know, prosecutable. But what's the impact? I mean. Adam, do you find that the reaction, I mean, is the reaction, uh, does it, in a, in a normal setting, would you expect to see reform movements? Would you expect to see legislators care? What, what, what do you think, what happens after this? 
Yeah, I think, you know, everybody across the political spectrum today is actually, you know, looking at this going, holy cow. I mean, it, it is 44 cents on every dollar of his current cash on hand came from state vendors. Like, this is a really big deal. Like, yeah. like nationally and locally, progressives decry corporate money in politics. And Governor Newsom's embraced it. He's actually, through the lack of prohibitions in the state of California, he's run a bus through it. I mean, when you solicit a thousand state vendors for over $10 million of campaign donations, and in one year, those vendors reap $6.2 billion. I mean, that catches everybody by surprise. Yeah. Um, what is there a way to know if, if how much or if some of that money is that co- is COVID passed through, like, you know, COVID money coming from the uh, from the uh, from the federal government? Can, can you tell can you tell that in this or no? Yeah, it's it's mixed in. But again, they did not include payment descriptions. We did get clarity from some of the state agencies that's that they're passed through COVID dollars that rolled through state agencies are in this data. But um, you have yeah. to reach out to each on each piece. We can see the state agency that made the payment, but we don't know the purpose or description of the payment. So here just, um, you know, I mean, look, a big government, which California is. They tax more, they spend more, they regulate more, especially under Governor Newsom. And that means, Ed, you know this, they control more. So what we found is that you have your major entrenched quasi-marketplace monopolies, the industries like utilities, healthcare, big banks uh, that are kicking five, four and five-figure donations back to the governor in in the form of a campaign gift. So you have, for instance, six major healthcare companies. They give Governor Newsom almost $700,000 worth of campaign donations. Last year, in one year, they received $1.9 billion. Wow. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's the big ones, right? I mean, the, and, and the big ones, the healthcare. You, you're the governor. You control the spigot. And it may be that some of that money is Medicaid money or Medicare money that comes through, but you're the one that controls the, you know, controls the spigot. So you can make sure it may be coming from our federal tax dollars. But but again, you can't you can't know. Does um this California's ability to fight you on the transparency? Now, you sort of won. But now, I mean, what's your next step? Is there more? It sounds like I mean, it looks like there's more to do. But is it what's your next step? And and in some ways, does California show the smaller states how to be um, uh, lacking in transparency? You know, I used to tell people the late Phyllis Laffey would say whatever Texas school board decides on textbooks, the rest of the country has to live with because they bought so many. That's what the textbook companies did. Do, do, the, do, the, do the other states look at California and say, aha, we see how to fight the transparency revolution or maybe I'm overthinking the power of California's example? So that's why we had to win. They were the lone holdout. Look, we I got 15,000 municipalities with their checkbook. We've, we had 49 states. We had the federal government all the way back to 2001. Like, this is settled. And California was the holdout. We actually sued the controller after she rejected our sunshine request. The last two controllers actually in California rejected our request. So we sued the latest one in 2020. We lost in the Sacramento Superior Court. Huh. So we actually, by filing 442 sunshine requests on every single state agency, we actually assembled the checkbook like a jigsaw puzzle. And we did what the governor, the controller, the attorney general, what lawmakers wouldn't do. We did what the superior court judge wouldn't do. We did what the state bureaucrats 
after they spent $1.1 billion on a new transparency and accountability accounting platform, they still couldn't post their own checkbook. And we did it in four months using the power of the Freedom of Information Act. Wait a second. They had a $1.1 billion transparency portal or a platform? Yep. Since 2005, they've spent $1.1 billion upgrading their accounting platform to try to get transparency and to try to produce a state checkbook. And they haven't been able to do it. They only have about a little over half of the state expenditures on it. Well, we got that and we got the other half. We got the whole thing now. Wow. Well, I, I should probably tell these war stories off the air, but Adam Manjewski is our guest and, and OpenTheBooks.com. In 2007, when we did the Missouri Accountability Portal, um, I was chief of staff to the governor. I called in the IT department guy and I said, we want to do this portal. Somebody came up with it. What's it cost? He went away, came back, said it's going to cost $300,000. And I said, great. And we had a cabinet meeting where the governor said to all the departments, everybody come up with enough money out of your budgets. We're not doing any new money and get to $300,000 and let me know. And it became a contest amongst the cabinet secretaries. They wanted to be pitching in, you know, chipping in. And so it, it ostensibly cost $300,000, but no new outlay. We didn't get any outlay. So that would have, I should have worked in California. 1.1 billion, man. That who think did, about that. Yeah. You did, guys did, did that yeah. in 07. Yeah. Yeah. We for, for finally forced open the books in 2022 in the golden state. It's absolutely incredible. Amazing. All right. Adam Anjevsky, as always such interesting, important work going on. Uh, open the books.com is the website. I'll put up the Substack also. Uh, thanks, Adam. Good luck. I suspect you're going to do it'll be a whirlwind. I've seen some of them already. A whirlwind of uh, media coverage and uh, and attention to this report, which is good. And uh, and I encourage you. So thanks for coming on with us. Well, thank you, Ed. Thanks uh, for uh, having me on today. You bet. We'll take it. yep. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. I'll put all that up on social media and uh, be right back. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, Ed Martin. Democrats had been counting on televised congressional hearings about the pro-Trump rally at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021 to be the game changer they need to retain power. But their strategy just hasn't worked. According to a Harvard-Harris poll, 53% consider the hearings biased, 63% feel Congress should be working on more important matters, and 67% say the hearings are dividing our country. The fizzling of implausible testimony against Donald Trump has boomeranged against the January 6th committee. The nonpartisan Secret Service disavowed the accusations by the surprise witness Cassidy Hutchinson, whose bizarre hearsay testimony would never be allowed in a real court. Flailing away, Democrats have since turned to a harmless tweet sent out by Trump a half month before January 6th. After wasting many millions of taxpayer dollars and a year and a half on this witch hunt, anti-Trumpers resort to what was public on Trump's own Twitter account all along. Trump merely invited supporters to attend his own rally on January 6th, which is not a crime. Besides, we didn't need to have all these hearings just to learn what could be found on the Internet after a 10-second search. Ultimately, the harsh punishment of Trump supporters who participated in that mostly peaceful assembly does not help Democrats. More importantly, all the time wasted on pointless hearings means that much less time is being spent on solving the very real problems that Americans are facing today. Congress and President Biden could take immediate action to stop drugs from pouring across our southern border, for example. 
They could restore America's energy independence, which was a gift from the Trump administration to the American people. Congress could restore much-needed authority to the states and the people on such issues as abortion and education. Yet rather than do any of these very helpful things, Congress spends their efforts and your tax dollars on a propaganda campaign designed to smear political opponents. Save the show trials for Judge Judy. The American people want Congress to get back to work. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. For the latest strategies, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we're out of time today. I've just got a little about 45 seconds. Let me finish up by saying have a great weekend, everybody. I hope that you all get a chance to celebrate with your friends. Uh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, relax with your friends. Uh, do something for this holiday weekend. Uh, baseball is always good and uh, and apple pie, of course, uh, all that stuff. But I uh, hope you have a great weekend. Of course, for, it's this sort of traditional weekend at the end of the summer, which makes me sad. But um, there you have it. The summer's ending and we're back into the fall and it'll come fast. So uh, college football starting this weekend and uh, getting full swing, I guess. It started a little bit last weekend. So, uh, all right, everybody. Um, thank you, as always, to the great Noah Dingley, our producer. Uh, he does a great job, a big help, and a great gentleman. And also to Joanna Spilger, our associate producer, for helping. We will be back next week. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thanks for listening. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.